This is the parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so moved by the truth of your word and the fact that you have died on a cross to forgive our sins, to pay our debt that we could never pay. Lord, out of that, I, I pray that you would make us truly grateful and that from that gratitude would spring a spirit of forgiveness in our own hearts so that we are able to forgive others and that your gospel is able to go forward. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. We also pray for Ryan, who's about to preach. And Lord, we ask that uh, you would steady his his uh, heart and his mind as he brings us the word, but that his voice would be minimized and yours maximized. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give you a little context. We've been in a series of messages where we're going through some of Jesus' parables that, that he taught his disciples and those that he encountered uh, to teach the lessons about the kingdom of God that were so difficult to grasp. Today, we're, we're looking, uh, obviously, at a, at a parable that that teaches us the nature and the heart of forgiveness. And we're going to uh, lean into that together. Uh, unlike uh, all of you, when I was younger, I made some terrible financial decisions. Uh, you know, my family couldn't really afford to help me through college at the time, so I started taking out student loans. And this isn't the terrible part, by the way. So, uh, student loans are fine if you need those. Uh, everything was was relatively response. Uh, I was everything was going. Pretty well. I was relatively responsible until I discovered that I could go to the school registrar's office 
and uh, I could take out um, some money from my account for living expenses. And so uh, when I found out that I, that I could do that, I my mind just started to kind of race and run. You know, what are living expenses, you know? I, I wasn't the kind of guy to, to put lunch on my student loans. Uh, instead, I went one day and I took out everything that was left for the semester out of my account. And, uh, and, and, and I had a little money in my pocket from the work I was doing as well. And I went and I bought a jet ski. <laughs> this is a true story. I can't make this up. And, uh, and uh, it was really fun, by the way. Um, and so uh, I got out of that college. I actually didn't get out with a degree, but I got out of that college and uh, with a jet ski. And, uh, and I got to that point in life where you inevitably have to start paying back the student loans. They don't tell you as much about that when you take them out. And so um, at about the same time, I had moved to Las Vegas and met the love of my life, and we were getting married, and it was the wedding weekend, and my mom had come into town for the week, and I remember we were sitting outside uh, one afternoon uh, in front of the house that, that we were living in, and, and my mom came up to me, I'm an only child of my mother, and, and, and she said, you know, Ryan, uh, I have a gift that I'd like to give you uh, for your wedding, and I'm like, Mom, you know, just you being here is the gift, you know, uh, and, uh, and she's like, no, 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 I have a gift, I want to help you guys out. She said, I want to take those student loans off of you, and I want to pay for them. And I thought, wow, this is too good to be true at first. But then my conscience started kind of eating at me, and I said, Mom, hold up, hold up, hold up. I got to tell you, I got to come clean. You remember that jet ski that I saved up for? And, uh, you know, I've been riding and having, having fun with my friends. I said, well, actually, Mom, some of that student loan money went to that jet ski. And, uh, and without even flinching, she said, it doesn't matter. I want to pay it. And I thought, what? You know, I just thought, man, this is crazy. Who, who, would, who would absorb my reckless behavior like that? This has become, for me, a spiritual parable about the nature of uh, forgiveness and the extent of God's grace uh, in our lives. You think about God's grace. His grace covers even the foolishness of your youth. It has the, the power to co cover the, the, the selfishness of those moments when you get so fixated on yourself and the recklessness that you get yourself into. His grace is that good. And it's, and it's from understanding the nature of what God's grace does in our lives that we're able to extend His kingdom through forgiving others and showing mercy and grace to the world. And I think that's the heart of what this parable is. So as we're leaning into Jesus' teaching of forgiveness, he tells it about these two guys that have debt and how they handle the debt shows uh, what they believe about their relationship with God and their relationship with the world. I love uh, uh, what C.S. Lewis says, and I find it to be true, like most of what he says. <laughs> Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Now, here's what I know about forgiveness. I don't want to be trite about it. I know that there have been some horrible things that some of you have dealt with in your life. Some things that are deeper than what anyone else could imagine in here have happened to you. Some things that have cut you so deep that they haunt you. You know, there are some things in, in life that are easy to forgive, like the lady that flipped me off in the turning lane on Lawrenceville Swanee this week. I, I forgave her. I didn't chase her down or anything. It's whatever. She's having a bad day. But... 
there are other things that are much, diffi- much more difficult to forgive. And, and um, my heart for you today is, um, is that God might kind of move the ball down the court of your heart and free you up a little bit more uh, to live forgiven. Here's the big idea of where we're going. Only freely forgiven people can freely forgive. Let's dig into uh, this parable that Jesus teaches. If you've got a Bible, flip it over to Matthew chapter 18. We'll be in verses uh, 21 through 35. Here's what I've noticed about the parables. It seems like to me almost every parable that Jesus teaches has three predominant themes in it. It's kingdom. He's, he's, he's teaching us what the kingdom of God is and how it's different than, than what we think it is. It's grace. He's wanting to show us how extravagant His grace is and how it's the people that don't even come close to deserving it. And His judgment. He wants to show us that there's a, there's a flip side of people that don't receive grace or don't extend grace. That they'll be under God's judgment. And, and sure enough, He teaches all three of those things in this parable. So my, my plan is to unpack the parable, to look at those three themes. And then we're going to talk about that kind of that uh, kicker verse at the end. Um, that, that we need to be able to forgive from our hearts. We're going we're gonna to look at what that looks like in our lives as well. So let's, let's dig into this idea of, of kingdom. Um, so Matthew 28, um, uh, 21 through 23, I'll read it. Uh, Peter came up and said to, to him, Jesus is answering a question with this, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. And Jesus says, uh, I do not say to you seven times, but... 77 times or 70 times 7. I mean, there's basically the, the, the point of what Jesus is saying is you shouldn't be numbering it. It's, 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 it's uh, uh, an infinite amount of times. And, and so Jesus, in the context of this parable is that Jesus has just talked about uh, the, inevitability, the, uh, yeah, the inevitability of conflict in the, in the church. That you get a bunch of Christians together that are sinners that, you know, they might be redeemed or they might not be redeemed yet, but there's going to be conflict in the church. And every one of us know what we want to do when there's conflict in the church. We want to run away. We want to go the opposite direction. And there, there are a few of you that really like it, and this, that's another sermon now. But um, he, he teaches them in Matt, the, the early uh, verses of Matthew 18, here's how you deal with conflict. You lean into conflict. You don't run away from it. And if it gets really sticky, you bring someone along with you. And then if you need to involve the church, you can. And he talks about how to do this. And then, and then Peter is racking his brain. The disciples are hearing Jesus talk about this. And he's like, okay, Jesus, now there's got to be like a limit to how much we let this happen. We can't just be railroaded by these sinners, okay? There's got to be a limit here. And, uh, and, he, and here's the point where Jesus leans in. And, and, he's, and he's teaching, he's answering Peter's question, but he's talking to all of the disciples that are there. And, and he, his heart is that they would stop, uh, stop counting and start forgiving. That, that they would understand and live more in the kingdom of God if they would stop counting and start forgiving. And so this is where Jesus leans in. And so he talks about kingdom. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Now, the king in this story, who is that? The king in this story is our Father in heaven. It's God. And, and these servants serve to remind us of the people in the kingdom. That's us. So the whole context of the parable is, is dealing with what we do with hurt in God's kingdom. What we deal with debt. And the way he describes the pain of sin is by financial debt. But we could easily translate that to, to, to spiritual debt. We've been sinned against. We've been hurt by God's people. 
And, and what he says about, the, why, he, why he puts it in the frame of a kingdom, I think, is, is that he wants to show us that living under God's reign is completely different than living under the reign of this world. That the kingdom of God is altogether different than what we think about living in this world. And, and, and if we don't understand that it's so different, and we don't have eyes to see that it's so different, that we will inevitably be building a different kingdom than, in fact, the one that Jesus died to build. People in the church can do that. And so he says you've got to listen. And, and, and he says that the part of the kingdom that we need to understand today is that its mercy and forgiveness is limitless, that that's how big the cross is. That if the cross has a number on it, then it's not sufficient for our sin. And he says, so if our forgiveness has a limit on it, then we must not understand the cross. And so he goes on to talk about grace. So he tells the story. I, I won't read the whole thing again, but he, he shares the, the story of the two, the two guys that have two debts, right? The one guy owes 10,000 talents of silver or gold. It's, it's a unit of measurement that he was indebted to the king by. And the king, you know... It's, wants to settle accounts in his kingdom and he approaches him and and uh, and 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 what he does is 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 he kind of he kind of lays it all out there here's what you owe uh, so just to give you a little context if um, you, know, you know this unit of measurement if it were gold or sil silver it would each each talent would weigh about 75 pounds so 75 pounds of gold or 75 pounds of silver is what this guy owns times 10,000 so uh, if we were to convert that to the same uh, um, uh, currency that the other debtor has, where he talks about denarii, which is a day's wages, if we were to convert those 10,000 talents to days, days of wages, here's what it would look like. It would look like this. Debtor one has 60 million days of wages in debt. That's what he's got, okay? Debtor two has 100 days of wages in debt. So if we were to just put a dollar on each day, which is a ridiculously low amount of money in today's terms, one guy would owe $60 million, the other guy would owe $100. Does that, does that help show you the, the, the difference in the debt there? So, so, you know, you could look at it a lot of different ways, but there's a huge difference in the amount of debt that they owe. So debtor one, you know, he, he pleads for forgiveness with the king. He says, please, please Please forgive me. The king has threatened to, to, to sell his family into slavery and to put him into prison. And, 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 and he says, have patience with me. I'll pay you everything. I'll pay you back. I, I could never pay him back. I mean, what's he going to do? Go play the lottery every day and win every day? He could never pay him back. He, he could never pay him back. And, and so the king um, says, you, you know, uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to let this go. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absorb the cost of your debt myself. Now, what we see about this is, is, is really interesting. He, the king doesn't put him into a debt consolidation program and send him to a firm that will help him get straightened out and on a fixed interest rate with a balance plan that he can actually make the payments on. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, okay, let me, let me make it more palatable for you to pay off your debt. So many times as Christians, this is how we live. We think, you know what, I'm a Christian now, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to pay God back with my life at a, at, at a rate that I can kind of handle and kind of earn what he's given to me in his grace. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is that the king forgives freely out of his own resources. That's what the gospel is. That's what the good news of what Jesus has come to do. And you know how that happens? Because the king church is that rich. The king has that much grace. 
The king has that much mercy. The king has, has, has paid for our debt by that much good works and, per, and perfection. Jesus was all of that. He has that much capital in the bank to cover our sin. That's how good the cross is. That's how he's able to forgive that much. But the catch of this whole thing is, is that it's really not about the amount of money. Jesus doesn't get too fixated on that. But he really wants to talk about our hearts and how the way that we handle forgiveness is reflected and reflects our hearts. The first debtor seemed to really be changed from the heart, didn't he? He pleaded, you know, seemed to be genuine. The king said, okay, I'm going to forgive your debt. You know, go and, go and live freely. But, but what we see is that as soon as he's forgiven and he has the opportunity to extend the king's heart uh, to one of his servants, he goes back into his old ways. And he says, he says, no, I'm not going to forgive you. I'm going to throw your family in prison so you can give me that hundred bucks or whatever the equivalent would be. And so what happens is that he proves that his heart really wasn't ever changed by the king and he didn't really have the king's heart inside of him. He just wanted to use the king to get on with his kingdom. But the, the fascinating thing about this parable to me is, is who, whose money was the second debtor's money? Was it the, was it the first debtor? Did the second debtor really owe the first debtor, the guy that had $60 million in debt, did he really owe him? Or did he really owe the king? See, the second debtor was really in debt to the king, not even that servant. And, and this is what confronts each of us about grace and forgiveness. The spiritual debt of our sin is first and foremost not to other people. It's first and foremost to the king, church. And, and, and whenever we withhold that forgiveness, we're actually playing the role of God in that relationship. You see what I'm talking about? Let me, let me share a story with you from the Old Testament. It's about King David. Uh, King David got this idea that his sin was against God, first and foremost. Um, do you remember that time, maybe if you've been around the church for, for, for any time, the, the, the time that David blew it big time? Um, he has an affair uh, with one of his soldiers, uh, uh, wives, and, and he tries to cover up his sin in every way. He, he has the, basically has the guy murdered by putting him on the front lines so that he can cover up the fact that he's actually getting ready to have a kid with the guy's wife. While he was out fighting for the king, David is living in sin at home. And, 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 and so he tries to, to handle his sin and cover it uh, up on his own, but, but there's this really painful moment that we get a glimpse of of, what, of what, uh, what living in sin and trying to play the role of God gets you into. And it's, and it's this place of utter despair. And this is the most be- one of the most beautiful psalms in my opinion because it shows us David's heart. It shows us the heart of forgiveness. The heart of seeking forgiveness. He says this in Psalm 51, 1-4. Have mercy on me, O God, according to Your steadfast love. According to Your Abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. And then he says this, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Now, I'm pretty sure that David sinned against other people than just God. 
But in his mind, his conscience was so seared by the presence of God in his life in that moment that it was like it was only him and God. And everything else was just playing out because his, his relationship with God was off. And it resulted in some terribly horrific things because his heart wasn't right with God. And so when he's confronted by Nathan, he comes clean with God. He says, my debt's primarily with you. Do whatever you want to do with me, king. You're the king. You're God. I'm, I'm just... I'm just a king. I'm just a king that's that's kind of an under, you know, an under servant of you, and 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 the the one that we're primarily in debt with, one that we think that we're primarily in debt with, shapes the way that we live in this world. If if we see that we are the one that's six ten thousand talents in debt, if, if that's us in this story. And, and we get the king's heart right. We live differently, which means we build a different kingdom because we are using the resources of the king's endless grace and mercy to build his kingdom. Now, Jesus gets to determine what to do with the debt because he's the one that pays for it. And so here's what he says about forgiveness. Here's what 1 John 1, nine says. He says this, If you confess your sins up to ten... Uh, he No, he says, if you confess your sins, all of your sin, if you confess it, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So forgiveness comes from His power, the, His riches, not our effort, not our ability to control our lives, but it comes from His riches because He owns it all. So as we think about forgiveness, I want you to be confronted with the fact that God is the one that owns it all. Our debt is primarily to Him. Now, if we get into this place where we understand that, and we're not going to do it perfectly, but we understand that our debt is primarily with God, we live differently in this world because He did it all for us. Have you come to Jesus, church, and confessed your debt of sin to Him? Have you, have you, have you come clean with Jesus? If you, if you haven't... Take this morning to sit in the reality of that. That there's no way that you can forgive other people because you haven't been forgiven. Only forgiven people can forgive. And, and, and the people that I have learned the most about forgiveness from are the people who have blown it the biggest. Against me and against others. Because they know what it's like to be that in debt. And that... Those are the people that teach us the most about how to forgive. If we come like this servant and, and confess our sins, He'll forgive us every single time. And so we say, Jesus, this is Your kingdom, not mine. Teach us how to live in it. Now, the, the, the unsettling thing about the parables are this, is that there's always this flip side of judgment in them. That they're, they're somewhat conditional. You can live the king's way in the king's kingdom, but if you don't, there's going to be consequences. And this is what he says. It's just like every other parable that we look at. There's this side of judgment. So Jesus' parable about forgiveness comes with this warning. Uh, and and, 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 and here's, here's really what it's about. Let me read it for you. He says, Then his master summoned him and said to him, this is the first debtor that wouldn't forgive the second debtor, you wicked servant, I forgave you all of your debt because you pleaded with me. 1 John 1.9, you came to me. You confessed your sins to me. You pleaded with me, so I forgave you. That's my promise to you. Should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In other words, 
Shouldn't the king's mercy fuel our mercy and forgiveness for others? And in anger, his master answers his own question and he delivers him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. He wasn't even making a deal with him. He's throwing the book at him this time. And then Jesus turns and he looks to Peter who asked the question, remember? And the disciples that are around Peter and he says this, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. It's unsettling to think about that, that that the way in which we forgive reveals how much we've been forgiven. And unless we're completely forgiven, we can't enter into the presence of God for all eternity. This is why Jesus teaches us to pray in the Sermon on the Mount uh, like this. He says, um, says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who who sin against us, but then there's kind of this addendum to the Lord's Prayer. I don't know if you've ever noticed it before, but it's Matthew 6, 14 and 15. And he says this, he wants to go back and hit forgiveness again. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses and sins, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. So he's saying it doesn't matter if you come and ask for forgiveness if you don't forgive other people, you're not going to be forgiven. Now, that's heavy to me. I don't know if it is to you. Because I'm reminded of moments and places in my life that I don't forgive as fully as I need to. And you know how I'm aware of those? Because they keep coming up in conversations. They keep surfacing. I keep having those thoughts. And so the question I want to spend the rest of our time addressing is this. How do we forgive from our heart? How do we do that? How do we forgive from our heart? Because Jesus says that's the condition. That we're not going to be forgiven of the 10,000 talents of debt we got, sin debt against God, unless we learn to forgive from our heart. So here's how we forgive from our heart. First thing, entrust your heart to the King through receiving forgiveness. Let me say it again. Entrust your heart to the King through receiving forgiveness. So although I'm, I'm really hurt, I'm really offended, this has been going on for years and years and years. I got, I, there's stuff in my family where it's like people, you know, they, if they see each other, you know, in the store or something, they go different ways. I mean, that, that, I, my family's just like yours, okay? <laughs> and it, it just, it just when, the longer that stuff sits inside of you, it calluses your heart. It calluses your heart and it just does so much damage and so what the Scriptures teach us from 1 Peter 1, or 1 Peter uh, 2 rather, uh, is that we really just need to, to, to take a moment and step back and see the King for who He is. Not who we think the King is and what we think the King should do like Peter when he's wrestling with God, kind of thinking, you know, how many times, Jesus? There's got to be a limit on this. Isn't it interesting that Peter would be the one to ask that? Peter, the guy when Jesus was on the cross, denied Him. And, you know, a few chapters before that, he says, oh, Lord, you know, I'll never do that. And he finds himself in that place where he does. But Jesus, in his grace and in his mercy, is the king that comes to him and meets him on the beach on the shore of Galilee. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my lambs. And he goes on three times there. And he's restored to a relationship with Jesus Not because Peter nailed it, but because he's forgiven. There is no limit on Christ's forgiveness for us, church. 
There is no limit on the forgiveness that, that, that King Jesus gives us authority to forgive in His kingdom. We have the most beautiful opportunity. 1 Peter 2, 21-25. Hit me like a ton of bricks this week. Let's read it. This is Peter, the guy that blew it. He learned some lessons because we learn lessons from people that have to be forgiven, right? That's who we learn forgiveness from. Well, Peter was one of those guys. And so Peter is specifically encouraging the church here about how to live under authority in the midst of suffering. Here's what he says. For, for to this you have been called. You've been called to suffer. You've been, you've been called to be betrayed. You've been called to all of those things that are going to happen to you in this life, okay? Because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in His steps. Jesus was betrayed. We're going to be betrayed. Jesus suffered. We're going to suffer. But He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in His mouth. When He was reviled, He didn't revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten. This is the key right here. But He continued entrusting Himself to the One who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you've been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So when Jesus saves us, church, we're, we're hidden in Him. It's no longer about us. We've died and our lives are now hidden with Christ in God, the Scriptures tell us. It's, when God looks at us, He sees Jesus. But here's the catch. Whenever we walk in unforgiveness, we're choosing to step outside of God looking at us and seeing Jesus and, and God just looking at us again. We're choosing to step out of the kingdom of God. We're choosing to step out and say, I'm going to take care of this on my own. But what Peter said to us is that forgiveness is about faith. Forgiveness is about faith because we have to continue entrusting ourselves to the one who is faithful and just. We've got to continue entrusting ourselves to him because whenever we entrust ourselves to other people, we're going to get hurt every single time. It's not a matter of when someone stabs you in the back, betrays you, hurts you. It's a matter of when. And when we entrust ourselves to other people alone, we're going to get hurt. They're going to show us how broken they are. And we can't be surprised by that. And we can't start handling things on our own where we avoid people and say, I'm not going to enter into this. I'm just going to be live by myself. No one's trustworthy. I've met people like that time and time again as a church planner. I love Jesus, but I hate His church. And behind those voices, there's a lot of pain that Jesus can deal with. And maybe that's you today. Forgiveness is about faith. When forgiveness doesn't come easy in life, there is something in me that doesn't think the justice that has been served actually did anything. You know, this thought crossed Jesus' mind when He was going to the cross as well. Do you remember? Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from Me. This doesn't seem like the right way, God. Father, this doesn't seem like the right way, but He continues submitting himself to his Father because his Father knows best. And, and what does Jesus cry out on the cross to those that are crucifying him and murdering him and reviling him and all those things that Peter talked about? Father, 
because I've entrusted myself to you. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. So Jesus is able to forgive in that moment because He's entrusted Himself to the Father. If there is a situation in your life right now that you find it very difficult to forgive, the enemy wants to keep you in slavery to that relationship, to that sin. And he wants to keep you bound up. But whenever we make the step of faith to entrust ourselves to our Father in Heaven, we have the opportunity, church, to live freely. I'm not saying that, that, we, that we live recklessly and we just put ourselves out there to those people that have hurt us. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that they no longer have to have a hold on our life. That sin no longer has to keep us captive and submitting and obeying it. Instead, we get to obey Jesus. And whenever we're able to enter into those moments where Jesus, we experience a deeper level of the forgiveness of Jesus as we look to Him who entrusted Himself to the Father and we entrust ourselves to the Father, we're then able to share the King's heart with the world through giving forgiveness. You see, it's really not about learning how to forgive. It's really about learning how to be forgiven. Because whenever you're forgiven, you forgive. It just happens. It's just what happens in our hearts. And it's at this point that, 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 that we get to this place where maybe we're centered with Jesus and we see, oh God, I'm the 10,000 talent debtor guy. That's me. I thought that was that person over there that really hurt me. I guess it's me. And we let the blood of Jesus cleanse us as we come to Him. And then we're able to enter into the conflict to some degree. Because the Bible knows nothing of sweeping things under the rug or walking in bitterness for extended periods of time. The Scriptures know nothing of that as helpful for your soul. And the courage that we find by entrusting our heart to the King is that the King is building His kingdom through this eternal conflict. This eternal conflict of sin that we're all caught in and we all have these wounds from. He's building His kingdom on that kind of domain. Heaven is meeting earth through the, 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 the times that you're able to extend forgiveness because you've been forgiven. You see what I'm saying? That's how Jesus is building His kingdom. He's doing that through each and every one of us. And every time that, that, that we're able to forgive someone, we are disarming the enemy one thought at a time because he loves to meander about in the unforgiveness of our hearts. And what seems to be so terribly painful to us all is now being used for good. Isn't that what Joseph was able to say when he looked back on his life? What you meant for evil God used for good. Church, my hope for you is that you might experience that. Maybe deeper than you ever have this week. I, uh, right after I became a Christian, I had a, my very best friend deeply hurt me. And the, the impact of the hurt and betrayal and deceit was so painful because I had entrusted my soul to this brother. He taught me the Word. He taught me what church was. He taught me what a Christian family looked like. And a couple years into that, uh, when the deceit came to the light, and it was multi-layered, years and years and years of stuff that had, that had been going on, um, I got to this place where, uh, where I, first, I wanted to kill him first, like literally. Um, uh, and, um, and that obviously didn't happen. I wouldn't be here today. But, um, uh, <laughs> But then I kind of got to this next stage, what I call cheap forgiveness. It was like, okay, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget this. And so it was like a kind of a cohabitation. It wasn't fellowship. It was like, okay, I, I, we can be around each other, but I'm definitely not calling you up anymore, man. 
just can't trust you. And uh, about five years passed, Megan and I were on uh, vacation in Florida together and driving down, we had, we'd got upgraded to a convertible, which is awesome, right? And we're driving through palm trees, it's great. And, um, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks, this parable did. You, you've not forgiven him. You've not forgiven him. And the reason that I knew is that it kept coming up over and over in my thoughts and over and over in my heart. And there on that trip, I knew what I needed to do. I needed to forgive my brother from my heart. And the only way to do that was entrust myself to Jesus and not other people. So we got home from the trip and I um, said, I'm going to be gone for a couple days. And I got in my truck and I drove to Kentucky because I was in Indiana at the time. And, and I went and on the way there, I realized that I had unforgiveness against my father in my heart. And so the trip kind of extended a little bit longer. But God did so much work in my heart. I, I don't know that it changed our their side of things very much, but it freed me up to live forgiven and to receive forgiveness. And, and I don't know if there's a situation like that in your life right now. Or maybe you've not let Jesus really forgive you of your sin. You've not really come down. I just want to offer you the opportunity to stop running from it and turn to Him today. To stop running from that relationship that you're just bitter about and turn to Him today and trust your heart to Him and let Him build His kingdom through your life. Let's pray. Father, I pray uh, that we would be the type of people that offer costly, sacrificial forgiveness to people when they sin against us. Because that's what Your forgiveness is. It was costly. It was sacrificial. It was deep. And it was eternal. And Lord, I pray this morning that we might feel and bask in Your forgiveness a little more than we ever have before. That we might see that, yeah, my sin was that bad, but your cross was that big. Father, would the blood of Jesus, which is required for the forgiveness of sins, wash over us fresh this morning, Lord. All the pain, all the hurt, how would we lay it at your feet today and entrust it to you instead of handling it on our own? And may we be the type of people as we look at our example, Jesus, He says, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive me. Father, forgive them. And walk in that newness of life that You have for us. So we hope for that in Jesus' name. Amen.